Let's take another caller, and then I'll get back to some of my questions. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Colleen Ellis. Um, hi, my name is Wendy, and I just wanted to say thank you for this program. Um, I think what this woman is doing is a real service that many people really, really need and, and don't want to admit to. And, uh, you know, and I speak from experience. I'm 69 years old. I've passed over more pets and have more cemeteries in my yards, et cetera, than, you know, uh, than we do. Oh, am I still talking to you? Yes, you sure are. Yeah, oh, yeah thank, thank you, you so much. I have my radio too loud. How sad. Yeah, I know there's the little delay, so it gets confusing if you don't yeah, turn yeah, it down. Yeah, I got really confused. But anyhow, I just wanted to say thank you. And that recently, I actually have lost um, two of my three dogs this year, one kind of unexpectedly, and one was going on 19 years old. And the third dog also um, was was a little depressed, and I've allowed him mm-hmm. to go through mourning too. And, you know, just to everybody, it does get better. And, you know, you don't, you know, it gets better. You look and you smile and you miss them. And I think every child should have a pet uh, in my in my mind for that reason, because it helps them deal with you know, with all kinds of endings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Well, thank you so yeah. much for your, call, you, your nice comments. Thank you. thank you. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Colleen Ellis. Hello, it's you. Hello. Okay, well, I thought the caller was there, but I guess not. Okay, so, uh, so Colleen, so, yeah, I mean, some of the things that that, that brings up that I was um, going to ask about that some of our callers have mentioned now as well. You know, back to our emailer that I, I read to you, because i sort of thinking this might be good to sort of talk about just the very first few days of loss, because that's clearly what the emailer was in the, was in the midst of. But something else that's kind of come up with the comments you've made and, and our callers is what about several days or more afterwards when I think a lot of people's experience is that grief can sometimes slap you harder than those very first days after the loss. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that people might, uh, um, beyond being on the lookout for that, ways that they might contend with when grief really makes a, a more serious run at you? Some of the things that I like to, to really recommend to people is um, when we think about the concept of routine, our animals make us routine. You get up in the morning, you let them outside, you feed, you know, do your feeding process, clean the litter box, whatever your routines are. And when reality sets in with some of the with with the new normal that we're being faced with, sometimes it's the it's the routines that really, really are the ones that knock us in the nose and are that are that reminder. And so one of the things that I recommend to families that I walk with is Continue the routine. If you came home from work every day and took that dog out for a walk and that was your, you know, first thing you did when you when you walked in that back door is grab that leash and, and hook up and go outside, then the permission I want to give for you is do that. Continue to do the walk. Continue to do the walk. If filling that water bowl and doing the and, and putting the food into the food bowl, if that still gives you comfort to continue that routine, permission to continue to do it. I had one lady that that I was was doing some work with and gave her that exact thing right there. Still continue to do that. And what she did is when she put that water in the water bowl in the morning, she put a flower in there too. And so it was it was still the routine, but she switched up the routine a little bit. Yeah. Animals make us routine. Continue the routine for them. And one day, one day you'll get up and you'll say, Today I want it to be a different day and I'm okay. I'm okay to start to start stopping some of the routine. Mm-hmm. Okay to do that. But do it when you're ready. Yeah. Do it when you're ready and don't listen to those around you. I, I have 
every food bowl from all my deceased pets and including obviously my living pets that still line my kitchen mm. because feeding time is always such a happy time at my house. Yeah. And I don't want to forget that. So who cares? It's my house. I'll do it. Right. Permission to do what you need to do. Yeah. And it's such an important point about just continuing versus, again, a lot of people's instinct might be to sort of just abruptly, hey, the dog's gone, the cat's gone, so no reason I would do this, this, or this. What you're saying is obviously the opposite. It's like continue doing it, and one day you'll say to yourself, uh, I'm not going to do it anymore, but yeah. it helped me a lot to keep doing it. Here's the other one I want to throw on the table here for, for our listeners. Sure. The other thing I want you to be very mindful of is it may be hard to see those food bowls. It may be hard to see the litter box. It may be hard to see their toys and their pictures and all that kind of stuff. But what I want you to do is I want you to slow down a little bit. If it is hard to see those things, don't get rid of them. Put them in a bag and tuck them away somewhere because when the fog clears, you may look differently at those toys and say, I want to keep them uh, in his honor. I want to keep this stuff. I want to put these pictures back up. To have all that stuff removed in such an abrupt fashion is almost this feeling of, woo, did it really happen? Was it, were we really a part of each other? And so when we can slow down a little bit, let the fog clear, get some clarity and thinking to say, you know what, I do want to keep that stuff. Or I know I'm thinking clearly enough, I'm okay to donate it. I'm okay to do that. Yeah. I won't have a regret doing that. I've worked with countless families who have had a regret, especially with toys, who've had a regret of getting rid of a toy that they now want to have as that special reminder of that pet and, and how much they enjoyed that toy. Yeah. So what I tell families is slow down a little bit. There's no reason to rush. No reason. Yeah. Slow down. No, it really sounds like that's kind of a theme of sorts, which is just however you're feeling when that animal's gone, don't move too abruptly, don't move too quickly, don't move to what may be later perceived by you as too harshly. Just give everything a little bit of time and... Um, you can always revisit those decisions later, but if you, like you exactly. say, if you toss out the toys or the bowl or whatever, you can't uh, unfortunately go back and do that differently. So, right. so let me. Uh, another thing. Can, oh, I, go ahead. can I can I throw something else out on the table? Of course, sure. I, I want people to think about. Okay, speaking of slowing down, whenever whenever I talk with a family, and this I'm going to give you my personal experience. I'll just use me. Okay, it it is so comforting for us. After the death, and I'm talking the fact that I still have a body, okay, my, my, dog, my dog's body, I bring them home with me or I keep them home. If they were euthanized at home, I keep them at home with me for at least a couple of days. And it, and it does a couple things, Duncan. Number one, and just like what Wendy said, that she's got a, a dog that is grieving the two that she lost this year. And so it gives the animals their time to pay their respect, to confirm what's happened, that their pack friend is gone, and it gives them time to do to do a little bit of their morning work as well. Yeah. Secondly, for my husband and I, it gives us time to just slow down, and in the loving words of my mentor, Dr. Alan Wolfell, to have a visitation, to back up and say hello as we prepare to say goodbye. You know, when you're at a visitation, and we and we and we do this with our animals too. We I remember the day I brought you home. I remember the day this happened. I remember the day this happened. And so we take that time to slow down to get ourselves prepared for the fact that he won't physically be in our home anymore. 
And it gives us that opportunity, those, those few days, to just get our brain ready for the new normal, get our heart ready for the new normal. Yeah. And the last thing I want to throw on the table here, just in context of this, I know you've got more questions for me, yep. but is, is for people as they're approaching the end, this is what I always tell people. I want you to shoot yourself out six months from now, and I want you to look back on this time right now, this end-of-life walk that you're on, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What would I do right now, either for me or for him or bucket list, whatever it is, what will we do right now so that I can look back on this time six months from now and be able to really fully say the end was perfect, was perfect. I don't have a regret. I don't have something that I said, dang, I wish I would have done that with him. He never ate people food. I wish I would have let him eat people food. Mm-hmm. He loved chocolate. They were always thought he loved chocolate. I should have given him chocolate at the end. What, what can you do? What can you do where you can say the end was perfect? Yeah. Well, I have a, a question that uh, I'd like to come back to on that very thing. But there's an email that's it's a bit long, but I think it's interesting. And then I'm going to try to get at least one more call. And we're going to, uh, we're okay. unfortunately, nearing the end of our time, but we're going to get as much into this as we can. So this emailer says, my father's funeral is this Friday. I wish his and my mom's animal urns could be um, entombed, uh, interred with them together, but it is not allowed. There are four box urns of our family pets we had growing up. What are your suggestions as to how I can honor the ashes of the pets sprinkled near their niche? If I keep them with my own family dogs who have passed and cremated, I'll have boxes and boxes of ashes. I don't mean to be disrespectful to my parents, but I don't know what to do with them. Thank you. Beautiful question. So I'm going to assume that she's already talked to the funeral director um, because every funeral director will sometime every I shouldn't say that. Let me let me stop the every's in the sometime. Funeral directors have their own philosophies as how they can help with that as well. So that's the first conversation I would have. The second conversation or the second um, suggestion I might have for her is that there is a wonderful product out there called Let Your Love Grow. And it is a beautiful product that mixes with the ashes of all the animals she's talking about. It helps to make them very nutrient rich for the ground. Mm. So possibly what she could do is plant a flower or plant a a tree or put put a memorial, you know, a memorial plant, something somewhere where she can honor her parents and, and be able to take all of those ashes and put them together and to be able to do that. And and again to make this very nutrient rich product that aids in the growth of, of vegetation. Nice. So that might be the other thing I I might recommend. If she's gonna be cremated you know, I've got some families tell me that, that they're going to be cremated when they go. And the suggestion I have is have everybody re-cremated together, and then whatever you're going to do with your ashes, do with your ashes. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, I think you've given her, hopefully, some very good suggestions. Let's take one more call, if we can, and get back to a couple of my questions as well. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Colleen Ellis. Hello. Go ahead, please. It's you. I hear you there. Last time, we gotta go, we got to keep moving. Do you have a question for Colleen? Okay. So here's the thing. When you talk about looking back and thinking like it was the perfect ending, how does that reconcile? Because in some ways that would seem to assume that an animal is ill, has sort of a dark diagnosis, whatever. But what happens if things are much more sudden than that? How do we reconcile that with your thing about the perfect ending? You know, there's still things you can do, Duncan. So 
if it's a sudden ending, which of course that's going to happen, it happens with people too. Sure. There's things that we can do as we set with them, you know, if it was a sudden euthanasia, if it was more of a tragic kind of a death, there's things that you can still do with holding them and, and having your time together to say your goodbyes and, and really making sure that you're, you're doing whatever you need to do during that time with them. Let's think about things like slowing down a little bit while we're holding them or we're sitting with them possibly at the clinic and we're sitting there. We can write a note to them. We can bring those flowers. We can still have them, you know, if French fries from McDonald's is what they like, we can still have those French fries there with them. All the things that when you close your eyes, let's go out to our six months, when you close your eyes that said, given the situation, given the situation, I was still able to have an experience of, of having things around him that he loved, of being with him to have my final goodbyes and to tell him my I love yous and, and what I'm thankful for and, and the lessons I learned and all that kind of stuff to slow down and to just take that very, very special time and to do what you need to do during that moment mm-hmm. and, and to give yourself permission to do that and not run from it. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm gonna, I might follow up on that in a sec, but I'm going to try to get one more caller in here. Hi, you're okay. on Talking Animals with Colleen Ellis. Hello. All right, well. Seem to be having rough luck. Maybe it's just that phone line. I'm not sure. But um, can we talk about a bit about how, uh, conversely to the sudden loss thing, beyond kind of making your list, as you say, go six months out, um, are there other things that people can do to prepare themselves emotionally or otherwise if they know that the end, and I didn't be clear when, but is is on the horizon? So let's talk, let's talk to two ways here, okay? The first thing that I want to talk about is helping people with with coming to terms with euthanasia and the timing of euthanasia. So often I get questions from families that are still struggling with, was it the right time? Did I do it too soon? Did I do it too late? Yeah. And, and they struggle with that. What I would like people to do who are listening is to is to reframe that process. And instead of calling it a finite time, that was that time the right time. Reframe it and know that any time during the end when you're in, I'm going to call it the window, the window of time where any time within that window is the right time. And this is probably because you've been given a diagnosis from your veterinarian. You know it's time as the pet parent because you know your pet. You're in the window. And, and again, any time in the window is the right time. And so to, to, come to, to come to peace with that. The second way to look at this is, let's say it was a natural death. We as pet parents, we know. We know when our pets are, their quality of life is diminishing. We know when they're starting to, to do things and to, and to present things to us that are not normal for them. And so we know we're close. And this goes back to the very beginning of our talk today, Duncan, that we live in this death-avoidant society that always believes that we have tomorrow. And instead, what I encourage people to do is to say, if today was your last day, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do so that you can have these beautiful, memorable experiences where where you're never going to eliminate all the guilt, but you can at least say, I was mindful that I wasn't promised tomorrow. And so we made everything we could for today. 
Yeah. And we did that. And, and uh, we do that with people, too. You right, know? right. So since we're just uh, maybe a minute or so left, uh, unfortunately, of our time together, Colleen, one, one question that brings me to that, that it was kind of spurred by our very first caller and when you're talking about in the window, this kind of reminded me anew of that. So is there some guidance you might offer to someone who did lose an animal and is grappling with the questions of when or if to adopt another animal? I love that question. And what I tell people to do is to give themselves permission to heal their heart, permission to not have this frantic movement forward that says, I need to go, I need to go get another one. Permission to not use the word replace that pet. Because it's just like having a second kid, right? When you have a second kid, you didn't have the second kid to replace the first kid. You have the second kid. And so we don't replace the animal that died. We get another animal who's going to have their own personality, who's going to bring their own memories to us, who's going to bring their own, you know, their own little being to us. And so it's just a, it's a new spirit within our world. Here's another thing that I say on getting another animal. Make sure you're, make sure you're ready. Now, that doesn't mean when you get that new animal into your home that you're not going to have some of these, oh, my gosh, you just did that thing, and it, and it reminds me of Miko. You're going to have some of that. You know what I love about animals? Animals are the best therapists out there because they will sit on your lap and listen to your stories all day long, and they're not going to tell you to shut up. They're not going to tell you, I've heard that story before. Do you have to go around that barn again? They're going to look at you and say, Tell me that story about that dog who died. Tell me that story again. I'll listen. I'll listen to you. They're the best therapists out there. And so when you get this new animal into your home, number number one, remember they're a new little spirit, a new little being. And don't put expectations on them that they are going to be like the other one because they're not. Yeah. And also, remember, you get to tell them stories about the dog, the cat, the, the bunny, whatever, who died. And they'll listen. Yeah. That's all good. For sure. Just don't hurry forward. Don't hurry forward with that. Right. You know, that, and that's one of those things that well-meaning people say to us, right? They believe you, you should just get another one. i got to tell you something, Duncan. In my training and in my teaching, what I've said to countless people is I've said, let me tell you something. I stood by my mom at my father's casket, and not one person came up to her and said, you know, you should get another one. You should get another one. It'll make that hurt go away. Ridiculous, right? Yeah. But but people say it to other pet lovers, believing they're being helpful. And so while on one hand we can't shame them because they're believing they're helping, on the other hand, don't listen to it. Just don't listen to it. And when you're ready, bring another one into your home. Okay, that's perfect. We're way over time now, but I want to quickly read an email that's actually kind of intended as a compliment to me, but really as I read it, it's a compliment to you and, and what we've discussed here today. So let me just say, not only, it says, Duncan, not only are we six long months from losing our 13-year-old best dog ever, I'm also trying to comfort a friend who recently suddenly lost her precious fur child. As many years as we've enjoyed your show, I must tell you how profoundly perfect, all caps, today's episode was. Not only have I told her she must listen to the archives there, and I will do so as well. Thank you for touching our hearts. So that's obviously for you, Colleen, as much as anybody. So thank you so much. We have totally reached the end and then some of today's uh, segment with you. But we've been sitting with Colleen Ellis. Again, the website to check out is twoheartspetlosscenter.com. There's another website that's, uh, I think, more for sort of uh, motivational speaking and other things. But yeah. uh, but Colleen with one L uh, dot rocks is the website for that. So Colleen, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I think we really covered a lot of ground. I think we really helped a number of people today, or you did. So thank you so much. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks for the honor and privilege of being with you. You bet. Thank you. 
In a moment, I'll speak with Mark James about his twist in St. Pete on these little uh, free libraries. This one's called Hank's Bark Box. contains pet food, and he created it in tribute to his late dog. More on that in a moment. Right now, then we're going to step into the comedy corner with a piece from the wonderful Tom Papa. This is a short piece, small but mighty, you might say, called Pet People from Tom Papa in today's comedy corner on Talking Animals on WMNL. We got to go somewhere, though. This baby is just killing us. We had to have a baby, though. It was really getting to a point. My wife was becoming one of those weird pet people. Like, anytime someone would tell a story about their kid doing something like scoring a goal in soccer, my wife would chime in, oh, that's like Gracie when she bats the ball down the hallway. Shut up. Pet people are very aggressive now. Have you noticed that? Pet people, very, very mean. If you don't like pets, they think you're like a Nazi or something. You don't like pets? You're so mean. How can you not like pets? You're so mean. Really, I'm mean. I'm not the one keeping a wild animal hostage in my apartment. No, but he loves me. Really. Open the door. See how much he loves you as he's hightailing it to Pennsylvania. That was Tom Pop in today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Pet People, taken from his album Calm, Cool, and Collected. Now it's time to speak with Mark James about the lovely idea he came up with to pay tribute to his late dog, Hank, while helping other dogs and cats. Here's Mark James on Talking Animals on WM. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, sir. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. So you created this lovely, generous way to pay tribute to your late dog, Hank. We'll talk about that tribute, Hank's Bark Box, in a sec. But first, tell me uh, just a little bit at least about Hank himself. Uh, Hank was a, a rescue dog I got at uh, SPCA. He was a, I don't know what he was, a mix of all kinds of things, the SNG and who knows what. Okay. Um, but I, I picked him up there uh, when he was about six weeks old. He was the last puppy in a litter. He was by himself in the cage, and he was quiet. You know, you walk into the SPCA, and it's like mayhem. And I almost didn't go down to the last kennel, but I walked down there, and there's this little puppy sitting in there, quiet, just looking at me. And I adopted him. Wow. It was meant to be. He became the opposite of quiet. He was a uh, he was a bit of a protector. and liked to bark. And if the wind blew, he would bark. Okay. Well, he can't be too careful, right? That's what Hank would probably say. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, he sounds cool, and I'm very sorry for your loss. And uh, I just spoke with an expert on how tough and painful that kind of loss and grief is. But somewhere in the midst of your grief, you came up with this fabulous idea for an ongoing tribute to Hank that would also help cats and dogs and, and their humans. Tell me about that idea and how you kind of came up with it. Well, I was trying to figure out a way to kind of honor his memory. as that, You know, as corny as that may sound, it was important to me. Yeah. You know, I, was, I hung his collar up outside, you know, the usual. But I got to thinking more and more about it. And I thought, you know, I see these free library boxes and free, you know, people food pantries. I thought, I wonder if I could make a pet food one. And then I, I kind of shelved it because I thought, I'm sure it's been overdone. There's, they're probably all over the place. And then I got to researching it and I found out that they're actually not. In yeah. fact, there, there's none in our area. I know that there's a couple of rescues that offer it. You know, they're kind of a brick and mortar. If you need food, you can go in and ask them for it. Yeah. And they, they make you fill out paperwork and to see if you qualify. And right. really want to do that to people. So, so you created uh, Hank's Bark Box and, and put it up. What's been the response so far? Where, first of all, where is it located just for folks who at least are in and around St. Pete that might want to check it out if they're not aware of it yet? Yeah, it's in St. Pete. It's on the northwest corner of 65th Street and 3rd Avenue South. Okay. It's my front yard. Okay. Uh, and uh, the response has been, <laughs> I got to be honest with you, a lot more overwhelming than I thought it would have 
Um, in fact, I had a lady come to me last night, knocked on my door. She had her whole family with her little dog in the back, and she said, would I be able to get some food out of there? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, t- take what you need. I even had a, a young lady leave me a note, a college kid, didn't have a whole lot of money. She had a, a King Charles, and she said, thank you from Tina and Sammy. We appreciate it. Oh, that's yeah, great. It's been good. So can anyone, sounds like the answer is yes to this, but can anyone stop by to take some, some food that they need or conversely stop by and donate some food? Well, well the answer to both is yes. It's, it's obviously open 24 hours a day. At your convenience, stop by, take what you need. Whatever gets depleted, I just refill. And I have had some folks, you know, leave some donations of, of food. I don't I don't want to take money. People have asked me, oh, can I, do you have a, uh, a GoFundMe and I can say, and I don't want to get involved in all that yeah if you want to bring food leave it on my doorstep put it in the box i'll take care of it if not i'm going to do it anyway so that's great have you heard from anyone now since you first researched it it sounds like it really didn't exist much at least in this area have you heard from people who say hey you know what that's a great idea i kind of like to put up a a counterpart to hank's bark box well yeah actually (laughs) come to find out in gulfport which isn't very far from me there's a lady there that owns deb's laundry and she has something very similar she used to just put it out on the, on the front sidewalk of her business on a table, um, but she since has brought it in. But she does the same thing. If people need food for their cat and dog, they go in and help themselves. Um, they can scoop their own bag of dog food. And we've kind of worked out a deal where if I get too much food or she gets too much food, we kind of swap back and forth. Oh, and great. I've up for about, I don't know, what, two weeks or, so, or better. Yeah. And so it's, it's worked out really well. But people have said they want to build their own, but I haven't heard of anybody that's actually done it yet. All right. Well, that might be coming. Well, we're just about at the end of our time, Mark, but I, I really applaud this. I think it's so great. And again, people can just search online for Hank's Bark Box if they want to see a picture or check it out or if they want to figure out where they can go to donate to uh, support Hank's Bark Box. So, Mark, thank you so much for a lovely idea and helping all kinds of uh, animal friends that uh, need need some food. So thank you so much for joining us on Talking Animals. Thank you, sir. Take care. Uh, okay, take care. This is Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Scott Elliott is up next. And then NPR News headlines before that. WMNF Tampa, thanks.